the modern man would like to think of himself as just being totally free. Yeah, the, the, the modern man, the, the man of today, the man of the world, would like to think, hey, I'm totally free. I'm my own free, I'm a free agent. I'm a free agent. I'm free to choose, free to do what I want to do. And there is some truth to that, that there is this freedom of choice that, the, that even the Word of God spells out. The, the Bible does describe this freedom to choose. We see this freedom to choose all the way back in the beginning, in the garden. You know, when, when, when the tree, when they were given the, 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 the go-ahead to eat of any tree that was in the midst of the garden, eat, eat of all the trees, except for the tree, the one tree that they were commanded not to eat of. And so there was the choice. So there's always been a choice. There's always been a freedom to choose. But what I'm talking about tonight really isn't about that basic freedom to choose. I'm talking about really being free, really being a free person. And the Bible would speak to us about mankind, the, man, the, the modern man, the man of the world, having an underlying bondage in their life, a bondage to sin. This bondage is described as a bondage that is holding every single person that has not come to Christ Jesus, that has not come to salvation, to being set free from that bondage. And so those that are not in Christ are in this bondage. The Apostle Paul would phrase it this way, a man without Christ is a slave to sin. You were a slave to sin. So what we're going to look at tonight as we are continuing to go through Romans is where we come to tonight is where Paul really con contrasts the person who's a slave to sin and the person who's really been set free. And really the, con the, 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 the comparison, the contrast is this, are you a slave to sin or are you Really what he says, a slave to righteousness, a, a slave to the righteousness of Christ. So, and, that, and, and thus free in him, free from the bondage of sin. So that's the question tonight, that's the comparison, and that's what we're going to look at. Slaves to sin, we, we, everyone starts off as a slave to sin, and then they beco you become free in Christ as you come to Christ. So let's pick it up in chapter 6 of Romans, beginning at verse 15. It says this, What then shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness 
and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness. And the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So really, Paul, this is a famous passage, right? And concluding with one of the most famous verses in the Bible and certainly in the book of Romans. Chapter 6, verse 23, right? So, but here Paul is again, he's contrasting in this passage, being a slave to sin and being free in Christ, being, being a slave to God, which is really free, right, uh, from sin. But he starts off with the question about grace and being under grace, because if you were here last week, we talked about how Paul concluded that section by saying, we're not, we're not under the law, we're under grace. The law had a purpose. The law has a purpose. It, it, it kind of makes sin utterly sinful. It, it, it shows us that we're lost without, without God, without a Savior. And, and, and of course, Christ is our Savior, and He was the per- perfect sacrifice, and He came into our lives and set us free. And so Paul concluded that section by saying, hey, you're under grace. You're under the grace of God. The grace of God has come into your life. That which you could not have earned, that which you could not have worked for in any way, shape, or form, you have received just the free gift of God's grace. Amen? And it's powerful and it's awesome. And so then Paul goes on here and he says, okay, so since we're under grace, should we sin then? Should we can we just, you know, I mean, I'm not talking about going like, you know, diving into the deep end of sin. I'm just kind of like, you know, over here a little bit, just kind of dabbling in some things over here. So this is the question. What, shall, what then shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. We talked about this last week, I believe, and we because we, we've been talking about it all throughout this whole study, about the break that happens uh, in the life of the person who comes to Christ. That you know, you literally uh, the person who is not in Christ, the person who is uh, outside of Christ, just just walking in this world. Paul would say it to the Ephesians this way: walking according to the course of this world. Okay, so they're they're out here walking. And they're on, a, they're on a course, the course of the world. They're on a course, and it's an unbroken course of being a slave to sin and walking just in sin. And it doesn't mean that they don't do good. It doesn't mean they don't, you know, feed the dog and, you know, say hi to the neighbor and, you know, all that. You know, okay, it just means because, they, because they've fallen short of the glory that they're walking in a path, and, and that path of sin that they're walking in is unbroken. It's never been broken. What happens in the life of the believer is that course is broken. Mm-hmm. Our, our, we, we, we become totally forgiven of our sins um, because of the gift of God, the grace of God that comes to us. And 
It doesn't mean that we don't then never sin, but that course of sin, that walking in sin, that walking in that lifestyle of just heading in that direction, that's been broken. That's been broken. So now we're under the grace of God. We're, 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 we have life in Christ. We're under the grace of God. And so Paul says, he asks the question, shall we sin? And I think, you know, Paul likes to ask these rhetorical questions and then answer them very quickly, right? And, you know, he's very, Paul, uh, you know, one of the reasons I like Paul is because he's, he is very logical and he lays out, you know, a case like a, like a lawyer would. I mean, he, he was a Pharisee, right? And, uh, and so he lays out just a very logical, biblical, scriptural case. And so in that thing, and I've kind of developed this in my preaching over the years where you kind of, you know, you kind of respond to the objection. You kind of make a, you're going to make a statement about what's true in Christ for your life, and then people are going to either kind of warm up to that, receive it, or they're going to have some objection to it. And, and I think what Paul did, and I think uh, I, 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 I try to do this, is kind of uh, speak to the objection immediately. I'll make the statement, speak to the objection to overcome it. So what shall we do? Because we're under grace, shall we just dabble in sin a little bit? Certainly not. Certainly not. Um, the, the verb there, um, in verse 1, it's this idea of a continual habitual sin. In verse 15 here, it is in the verb tense of the word is is um, like a singular in time uh, action. And so it, it's, it's being contrasted really with that habitual lifestyle of sin, that person that's walking in the course of the world. So the verb is, is referring to a sing, singular act. Shall, shall we sin? Shall we do sin? So we need to understand the spiritual principles that are involved in a life of Christ and confronting this issue of we're under grace, we've been set free, should we continue in sin? Okay, let's back up for a second. Paul backs up then. He says, okay, now we're going to, we need to understand what's happened here, okay? So then he says, do you not know? Uh, Let's go back to verse um, 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slaves to whom you obey, whether to sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So when you are slaves to sin, Paul would say it this way, you have a master. You, you, you always have a master. You know, I opened up by saying the man of the world would like to think of himself as being free being his own person, of being this free agent. But the, the man of the world without Christ is, in, is, is a slave to sin and has a master. At the very least, at the very least, they are presenting themselves to sin. They are presenting themselves to the master in their life, which is sin. Now it goes beyond that because Paul would actually argue in other letters that they're under the sway of the wicked one, right? So the world is under the sway of the wicked one. So it's worse than that. It's worse than just being left to your own self. It's being left to your own self and, and, and being committing yourself to sin, 
but then also under the sway of the wicked one. So when you are slaves to sin, you have a master, you have a master that you are obeying. Whatever you present yourself to obey, you become its slaves. Um, and so, and this, and this usually happens, you know, in repeated fashion and function. So, you know, we're, 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 you could use the analogy of slavery, of, of being, you know, just the, you know, kind of amoral things that we do, like, uh, you know, I like to wear black clothing, right? So, you know, everyone tries to get me to wear a red shirt or something. It's like, you know, they buy this stuff for me for Christmas and whatever, and it just sits there. And, um, and, and, and Mary Jo will come in, she'll look at my closet, and it's like, you've got like 42 black t-shirts. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's because I like. Well, no, wear this one. Well, I wouldn't be comfortable in that one. I, I want to wear what I'm comfortable in. And Steve Jobs, actually, who was a very smart man, he wore a black shirt every day, right? And Levi jeans. Very smart people wear the same thing every day. <laughs> Look it up. There's actually articles. There's actually Forbes articles on this. So anyways, I digress. Um, <laughs> it's one less thing to think about because we got more important things to think about, more important decisions to make than what jeans we're going to wear. But, but, but it's an example of just being a slave to, to whatever it is that you're doing and whatever it is that you kind of just naturally do. And you're you, you may be habitually doing it, you may be just repeatedly doing it, and, but, but with sin, it's much worse than that, because it's not just something that like, oh, you know, one day I could wake up and just say, I'm just going to get all white t-shirts and white jeans, you know, I'm going to be like, you know, Fantasy Island, like, you know, <laughs> you, know uh, <laughs> you know, Ricardo Montalban, you know, get, <laughs> get, get like a white, you know, um, double-breasted suit, you know. I don't think it would work. <laughs> Where was I? Uh, slaves to sin. Slaves to sin. So, so when you present yourself to something repeatedly like that, you, you're, you're presenting yourself in that sense as a slave. And this is what Paul is saying here. And so, um, and, and, and so there's this natural kind of repeatedly doing it, just walking in that way, doing it. So... Uh, so, you know, and, and, and we will serve somebody. You know, I think Bob Dylan actually wrote the famous song, you're going to serve somebody, and when you're not in Christ, you're, you're, you're serving sin. You're presenting yourself. You're presenting, you know, you're under the, 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 the dominion right. of that master. So you have a master. So the question is, who's your master? You know, if you want to ask yourself, are you, are you slave or are you free? Are you a slave to sin or are you a slave to God? Who is it that is your master? And th those are really good questions. Um, obviously, as a Christian, as a person who's free in Christ, we want to realize that our master is Christ, that we, that we are presenting ourselves, as Paul would say here, a slave to God, a slave to righteousness in that sense. So Paul, so he says, though you were slaves of sin, Paul puts it in the past tense because we have been freed from our slavery of sin. If you're in Christ, you've been set free. 
He also says that we have been set free by faith, which he describes as obedience from the heart. You believed. You put your faith in God's word. You believe the principle. You believe the doctrine. You believe the teaching of Christ and who he was and what he did. You believe that he was the perfect sinless sacrifice. You believe that he died on the cross. You believe that he was resurrected on the third day. When you believe that, that's the gospel. When you believe that, by faith, you were, you were set free. You were set free. So you're no longer in slavery to sin. And so you put your faith in God and his word, and now you are set free. And now the admonition is to live every day consistent with that freedom, consistent with the freedom that you have been given. Paul would put it this way to the to 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 whoever, right? He would say, Christian, be what you are. Be what you are. Part of it is realizing that you've been that dominion of sin over you has been broken. You've been called out of darkness. You've been called out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You're not under that dominion anymore. You're under the dominion of Christ. You're under the dominion of God. You've been set free. So, so be who you are. Paul would say it this way to the Thessalonians. You are light, right? You are light, so be light. Don't, don't continue to walk in the darkness that you've been set free from. And this is what he's saying. Be who you are. Um, so this is, this is just a powerful, powerful point. And so um, you've been set free from sin. What does it mean to be set free from sin and to become a slave of righteousness? It means that sin is no longer your boss or your master, and now righteousness is your boss in that sense, to use that kind of language. So serve righteousness instead of sin. And I think this is, this is the point that Paul wants to get into our heads. Okay, so uh, everybody here is, is, is employed or you have a boss or you're your own boss. Okay, some of you, some of you are your own boss. But you get it. So if you're your own boss, you have to obey your boss. If you had a previous job, you don't go back and, and obey your previous, previous boss when you have a new boss. When you have a new boss, you don't show up for work and you're sitting in your new office, your new place, and you call up your old boss and say, hey boss, what do you want me to do? What? It doesn't make sense. This is actually the simplicity of what Paul's actually pointing out to us. You have come out of that. So stop doing that. <laughs> right? Stop serving the old boss. Stop doing that. So that's really what it means to be a slave of righteousness. Um, a slave of righteousness... This is an interesting phrase that Paul brings out here. What does it mean to be a slave? As a, as a slave, a slave was more than employee. The noted Greek scholar, Kenneth West, and he, this guy has Greek dictionaries. So if you have, you can look up online, like, you know, New Testament Greek dictionaries. West is, this is one of them. 
You know, there are other ones. There's, there's Kittle, there's, you know, Vines, and, you know, West is one of them. He defined the ancient Greek word for a slave here by these terms. One born into a condition of slavery. One whose will is swallowed up in the will of another. One who is bound to the master with bonds only death can break. One who serves his master to the disregard of his own interests. Whoa. Isn't that true of being a slave to sin? Um, serving sin, ser- doing things even to the disregard of one's own good self-interest. The following was once true in regard to our slavery to sin. We were born as we were born into slavery of sin. Our will was swallowed up and captive to the sin that was within us. We'll get to this towards the end of the study tonight where Paul's zeroing in specifically on the flesh. Our bondage to sin was so strong that only death could break the bondage. What is that death? It's us identifying with the death of Christ. See, when Jesus took the, he took all the sins of the world upon him. There's a scene in Matthew's gospel. And it's where, you know, Jesus has gone. He's been passed back and forth between Pilate and Herod. And finally he's standing back before Pilate. And Pilate's just trying to figure out how to get out of this whole thing, you know. And he realizes that he's really been cornered. And so he has Jesus taken away to be scourged. And the, the, the soldiers put a scarlet robe on him. And they put a crown of thorns in his head. And really when he takes that scarlet robe, it's a picture of Jesus literally it's, 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 it's really like here he is taking, the, the, the soldiers are putting this on him after the scourging, and it's literally he's taking on the sins of the world. It's almost like, a, it's, like a, it's, a, it's a snapshot in time, pictorially, of what was happening theologically. Because here he is taking on the scarlet robe. And... Uh, there's this idea in the Old Testament, we don't have time to really dig into this, but we will get to this principle when we, on Saturday nights. But there's this idea of skin, sins being like scarlet, right? I think it's in Isaiah where he says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. So, so he's literally taking on our sins when, he, when the soldiers put those, the, that scarlet robe on him and he's taking all the sins of the world. I, I, don't believe in a, um, I don't believe in a limited atonement. I don't believe that he only took the sins of those that would be saved. I, I believe that when Jesus took the sins, he took on himself the sin of the world, past, present at that moment, and all future sin. He took it upon himself. And, and when you, you really want to think about what Jesus did for you individually and for the world collectively, 
it's an amazing thought to sit there and think about Jesus taking upon himself the sin of the world. He took it upon himself. And, um, and he went to the cross and he died. And, because, and, and then, of course, he rose. So our identifying with that death, when we come into Christ, and Paul talked about it previous, previous, right? The identification in the death of Christ and baptism being a picture of that, right? So, so the person being put in the water is the, is the burial, and, uh, and coming out of the water is, is the resurrection. And so part of being a Christian is identifying with the death of Christ. And so when we identify with that death, we've been, Paul said to the Galatians, we've been crucified with Christ, right? We've died with Christ. It's, it's, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives it with, within me. We've identified with the death of Christ. And it's that death that has set us free from the bondage of sin. And so when we died with Christ, when we identify with the death of Christ, we've been set free from sin because it was the only way. It was the only way that it could happen. We were so enslaved to sin that we served it to the disregard of our own interest even when sin destroyed us. And, and you see this in the lives of people who are just caught in, in, this, in just pure bondage and slavery to sin. Now the following is true in regard to our slavery uh, uh, to righteousness. We are now born again, now as slaves of righteousness. So we're born into being free in Christ, slaves to, to righteousness, right? Our will is now swallowed up in the will of God. It is His will that matters to us, not, not our own. We're taught to pray. Not my will or, or uh, your, your will be done, right? On earth as it is in heaven. We're, as Christians, we're submitting to the will of God. We've been set free. And we are bound to Jesus with bonds that only death can break. But since he triumphed over death and give, has given us eternal life, those bonds will never be broken. And so we've been set free from slavery to sin. We've been brought into slavery of righteousness. So a couple of things, a couple just thought process. We have a new boss. We're not under the dominion of sin. We're under the dominion of righteousness. We are no longer a slave to sin. We're a slave to righteousness. We're, not, we're no longer in that state of being, oh, we're just born into sin. We're born again <laughs> into the kingdom of God, right? And we've identified with his death and therefore life, eternal life has been brought to us. So we've got to, to look at this. This is what's presented to us in terms of, of our options. Now, let's finish this up tonight. Once you've been set free and you're no longer a slave to sin, don't re-enslave yourself. Let's pick it up, verse 19. Paul says this, or I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin... 
and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness. And the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So don't re-enslave yourself. Paul says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. It's it's almost as if, you know, he didn't really want to even speak of it like that. But there's only, only, you know, to get the point across, it's like, you're you're a slave in your flesh. This is this is the analogy that works. This is this is what's going to help you understand what's going on. So how do we how do we guard ourselves? How do we proceed in our faith? How do we go forward so as not to re-enslave ourselves in that sense? And I'll put it this way: Remember your presentation. Remember your presentation. Paul says this, when you were a slave to sin, you presented your members to sin. When he's talking about presenting your members, what is he talking about? He's, pre- he's talking about presenting yourself, and specifically your flesh, your body. Now, sin is something that, that starts, where does sin start? Sin starts in the, in the mind. It's it's kind of a it's 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 a thought that it's it's a temptation, and when that temptation, when we're we're enticed, we're, we we give into that, and, and and so we're beginning to entertain it. We have that moment in time where we can we can take the thought captive, realizing we're not the captive, but taking the thought captive. If we let it go past that, and the the, the thought begins to take us captive then we're kind of dragged away. This is kind of James's language. We're dragged away after we've been enticed. We have that moment when we can say, I'm not the captive, I'm taking you captive. Right? We've got to remember our presentation. Because as we continue down that continuum, we're walking, in a, we're walking to present ourselves to sin. We're presenting our members. Starts in the mind and works itself out to our members. So we've got to remember that. That's where it happens. And that's where we've got to be on guard. Amen? You once presented your members as slaves of uncleanness. No one really looks at it this way. I don't think we, you wake up and you you know, you're being enticed by sin and you're like, oh, I'm presenting my members. You know. But Paul wants us to see this. Paul wants this to be, you know, look at it like, you know, because Paul flips it and says we need to present our members to Christ. We need, we need to present our members, our, our body. We need to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, which is the whole idea of presenting our members to the Lord, to righteousness, to walk in holiness. And so if, if we really need to, to really grab hold of this in our minds and so that we can see what's happening. And so we have that moment where we have to decide, are we going to present our members beginning with our mind and having it play out to our members, we're going to present ourselves to sin or are we going to present ourselves 
to God, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. Amen? And that's what we've got to do. So you have to remember this. And then you have to do what a person who is free in Christ should do. What is that? Present your members as a slave of righteousness. Present yourself to God. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. This means we don't show up for work to our old boss. We don't report to our old, the, 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 the thing that had dominion over us formally. We realize in that moment that, that we've been cut off from that. We've been set free. Now, here's, what he, here's, here's where he goes. Lawlessness leads to more lawlessness. When you're continuing in sin, when you're offering your members, when you're presenting your members, you present your members, and then boom, and then it's very easy to do it again, and, you, and that lawlessness, and who knows? That could be a lie, that could be some other thing, uh, and, and whatever, and that just kind of builds upon itself. And, and you see this, in, 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 in certainly in criminal activity, but just in general sinful activity, the principle is the same, right? So, you know, they've done one thing, and then the next thing, it's like a whole stack of, you know, you did one thing wrong, and now you got like 16 charges against you, right? You know? Um, you didn't have a license, but then you drove, and then you sped, and then you had cocaine under the seat, and then you had, you know, what, whatever it is, is, is. Are these your drugs? No, those aren't mine. Well, how'd they get under your seat, you know? And, and, and you, don't, you don't have any idea how this all happened. So lawlessness leads to more lawlessness. Paul describes a principle ingrained in human nature. Lawlessness leads to more lawlessness. Righteousness leads to holiness. Righteousness leads to more righteousness. Righteousness leads to holiness, which in that sense is more righteousness. This describes the dynamic power of our habits and how we move along in the direction we are pointed to. Okay, so here's, here's a, a picture. Um, uh, picture a row of four trees. The first tree has been in the ground for one year. The second tree has been in the ground for five years. The third one at 10 years the, the fourth one at 15 years. If you were to look at, be able to look at those four trees, you would see the progression. As long, as long as you stay in the ground, it leads to more growth in that area. And so as you realize, remember your presentation, remember whom has dominion over you, amen, that you kind of, it's, it's the idea of kind of confirming and committing yourself to the path. And just as lawlessness begets lawlessness, and it builds on that and compounds, it's the same way with righteousness. And that's why, I, and I've, I have actually said this for years, and, and it's, you know, it's, 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 it's nothing of, of, of me originally, just, you know, the gathering of, of, of these principles spiritually, is that good decisions, godly decisions, compound upon themselves. But ungodly decisions also compound upon themselves. And sometimes people are just going 
in ungodly direction, and, and, and they go from one decision to the next and the next, and they're, they're compounding this, these ungodly decisions. And it's like, before you know it, if you don't realize what's happening, you end up in a completely destructive situation. But the opposite is also true. The opposite is also true, so that when you begin to present yourself in obedience, that you present yourself, your members, to the Lord, you begin to build upon that righteousness. And that righteousness becomes holiness. And it becomes this bigger and bigger thing. And in the analogy, you get down the road, and it's a whole big tree that once started off just as a tiny little you know, sapling that you got at Home Depot for like 25 bucks. And it was this around, and you put it in the back of your car. And now... You couldn't even dig it out of the ground if you tried. Because you're planted. And you're growing in Christ. And, and those things are compounding on one another. And this is so powerful of a principle. And that's why our daily habits and the things that we do continually are so important. Those, that's why those commitments and being steadfastly committed to the things that God wants us to be steadfastly committed to in our lives. Those disciplines that we talked about back in the Disciple 4K, go back and go through those things. Those are the things that build those principles and characters in our lives so that we can build upon what God is doing in our lives. Amen? So, Paul wraps this up by talking about fruit. We talked about trees in that analogy, but he says, what fruit did you have then? What fruit did you have when you were walking in sin? Let's go back to it. Verse 20. For, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. That's kind of an interesting verse. You know, It's actually like you know, he, he's throwing out the, the, the opposite counter statement, right? So you think you were a slave to sin, but now you're a slave to righteousness. You were free, you were free, you're, you're set free from sin. He actually says the reverse. Well, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. You were, you were not under that dominion, you were under the dominion of sin. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. You, you, you reaped the fruit you had the fruit of those things. It's, it's confusion. It's deceit. It's destruction. And it ultimately leads to death. Verse 22, But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have fruit as well. You have fruit of holiness. So this all produces holiness in your life. And holiness will bring you happiness. People want happiness. And when I say happiness, I'm not even really talking about happiness. Like, oh, you know, a dozen donuts. <laughs> you know, the lights on at Krispy Kreme. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the joy of the Lord. We're talking about a happiness that's, that's a profound happiness. And holiness brings that about in your life. And you won't regret it. And the end, the end, life, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, 
But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul wraps it up talking about just wages. You, the sin, as you present your members to sin, to obedience to sin, you get paid. You get paid. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, it's a gift. It gives you the whole thing. And it says, now I want you to walk in this. Gives you, I'm going to give you the whole gift. Give you the whole, I give you everything. Here it is. I give you the whole gift, eternal life. Absolute righteousness. When you came into the kingdom of God, when you confessed Christ as Lord of your life, something happened where you were legally before God completely justified. Paul talks about it. It's justification by faith. What does it mean? Is it means justified is just as if I'd never sinned at all. Justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. Right? And then you have everlasting life. Now, as we live out the rest of our lives, it doesn't mean we're not going to sin. We're going to have those moments of sin. But how you make the decision right now to walk in holiness is to realize whose dominion you're under, that you're slaves to righteousness, no longer slaves to sin. You remember your presentation. You used to present your members to obey sin. Present your members to God. Remember whose you are. Be who you are, Christian. You are light. You're no longer darkness.